that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 22, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, from 1989. I'm your host, Mike, King of the Prom, and welcome, one and all. It's prom season on the network here, and we're going back to high school one more time for that most special of events, prom. So here's the deal. My prom day is Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, but this is not our first rodeo together. Over at Brian's feed, we've already been to prom twice. First with the original Jamie Lee Curtis Leslie Nielsen movie Prom Night, and then the sequel, Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. And to be quite honest, everyone, I'm a little prommed out. Not for nothing, but it's exhausting booking all these tuxes, all these limos, these corsages. Just thinking about it makes me want to lay down. I think you could hear in this episode, too, we're a little bit tired of discussing so many prom-related moments and situations, but that doesn't mean we didn't have fun, and this is still a very cool episode. I'm just saying, no more prom for a while. Not for me, anyway. It was really good to discuss more horror movies with Brian Rodriguez as well, especially this series as it goes from serious to completely insane and satirical by the time that we get to part three. So it runs the gambit. But before we get to all the festivities, there's a little bit of business to discuss. That's right, it's time for the show within a show. No part three. No, 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 no. Part 3. Today's No Part 3 is Cocoon 3. I've never seen any of the Cocoon movies all the way through, but since there is a whole new generation of old people that could inhabit that universe, I say what the hell? Why not make another Cocoon, you know? We'll get, like, Morgan Friedman in there to be one of the Cocooners. I've never seen all those Cocoon movies all the way through, so I'm not even sure what's happening there. Something about old people, aliens, and a swimming pool. Who knows? Ron Howard. You got the Goot in there, Gutenberg. Hey, maybe Gutenberg could be the old guy this time. So there you have it. No part three. No, 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 no. Part three. And now, without any further ado, I present to you Prom Night 3 The Last Kiss. Brian, how are you doing today? Uh, Mike, this this prom night journey is taking me to different realms. I don't know how I'm doing. I don't know. I think you're going to help me find out how I'm doing, because I'm very curious to, to see what you thought of this film. Oh, man, this is crazy. This is almost like the perfect part three scenario. We'll get into it. <laughs> Before all that, I just have to know, have you ever lived on a street named after a tree? I have... Not. Yeah, me neither. I mean, that's a line from the movie. It's supposed to be like an insult or something. Yeah, and I could see it. You know, living in the suburbs, there are a lot of streets named after trees, but I've never lived on a street named after a tree. No. Now, I hope you're okay. Like, this is our third trip to the prom together, Brian. Like, <laughs> yes, in succession, too. You're a great date. <laughs> no objections there, but I just have to say this time, I forgot the corsage. I don't have the corsage. <laughs> I forgot to call the limo driver, so I guess we're either walking or one of our parents has to drive no us. No motorcycle? 
No Harley. No, and but maybe I'll get that haunted car from hell that makes a cameo. <laughs> Hello? That was crazy. We'll get there. But here we are, folks. Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. Madness is probably the best word <laughs> to describe this movie. I was just so caught off guard by this one. Um, I'll just come right out and say, so the, like, the first prom night is going for straight horror. The second prom night is definitely, like, it's more fun. It's not a straight comedy, but it's definitely more of, like, a fun horror movie. This movie is a straight-up comedy. Like, it is, like, a parody. Is that what it's supposed to be? Like, I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) All I could really... There's not a whole lot of information about this movie, but all I could find out is that the screenwriter wrote um, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, and Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. He wrote them back-to-back. But, like, the idea was they weren't Prom Night movies at the time, so he wrote them as The Haunting of Hamilton High and The Haunting of Hamilton High Part 2. So this is not even really a Part 3. Yeah, this is more of a sequel to the last movie, and if you notice, they make direct references. Obviously, Mary Lou is back, but they make more references to the last film, and they never mention the horror of Part 1. No. You know, they never talk about that killer. Yeah, so right off the bat, it's weird. Like, this is this has a 3 in the title, but it's a sequel to the last movie. Yes, it's a direct sequel because it has Mary Lou, but it's not... You know, Mary Lou's played by a different actor, right? Yeah, it's it's played by a different actor. She is not still in possession of Michael Ironside's body. <laughs> and remember, if you remember in the end of part two, she drives off in Michael Ironside with the two kids in the back seat. But this does take place at the same high school. It's more of, I guess, a spiritual sequel with direct references. Literally the spirit of Mary Lou, right? Okay, I, I have a couple questions for you, and, and that'll pretty much frame the debate. I don't want to call it the debate, but just the conversation for me. Okay. Uh, my first question... Well, it's more of... Well, okay, let me set it up. Obviously, on, on my show, High School Slumber Party, we did Prom Night 1, and we did Prom Night 2. And Prom Night 1, like you were saying, it was pretty straight horror, and I was kind of digging it. It definitely felt like a beginner horror film for me. If you guys aren't familiar, Third Time's Charm fans... I'm not the biggest horror guy. A lot of this is new to me. Obviously, there was issues, but I rather enjoyed Prom Night 1. Prom Night 2, I enjoyed for different reasons, but I know you enjoyed it more, Mike, being a horror fan, and it felt like you have to... Like, it wasn't a beginner's horror film, Prom Night 2. Now, Prom Night 3, is this, like, common in the horror genre? Like, movies like this? I'm just being honest. Yes and no. So what I feel like is that horror movies can get to this point. What this series actually kind of reminds me of now is the Leprechaun series. (laughs) And you can go back and listen to Leprechaun 3 when with my horror consultant, Dan Cologne, who I didn't want to bother today. uh, Three's a crowd at the prom, but also, you know, his expertise is a little wasted here, I think. Um, However, like with Leprechaun 1, they had a great title and a great monster with the Leprechaun. Uh, but they sort of, I don't want to say wasted that premise, but it, it that movie's kind of slow and falls a little flat for me. Leprechaun 2, they really went full-on horror, and it's like gruesome, crazy kills, really strange story, like lots of fun. And Leprechaun 3 is direct-to-video, much cheaper, much more slapstick, much more of a spoof of itself even, and sort of the whole horror genre. And that, I feel, is 
what is going on here with the first prom night it was sort of very not serious but you know it was very grounded much more of like okay it's an 80s slasher film the second one they really ramped it up with that late 80s kind of craziness and goofiness and here we are with the i believe straight to video part three and it's like a full-on parody of itself how how did you see this film I originally watched it on DVD and then found out early this morning that there's an uncut version that is on YouTube. Okay, so that's the version I watch. I just wanted to make sure. I watched them both. I managed to squeeze that in this morning. <laughs> now, there aren't a whole lot of differences, but if you're going to watch a version, watch the unedited cut on YouTube. It even looks better than the DVD. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so the DVD version is the... I guess they called it the edited for television cut, which I would imagine is just like the cable version, <laughs> like the show, like the Showtime yeah. cut. And there's less cursing, less nudity. Not that there's a lot of nudity in this, but there's no nudity in that cut. And then a few frames of the kills are removed as well to clean it up a little bit more. So it almost feels like it was tailored to be more like uh, accessible to a younger audience. And that's the vibe I get with this all throughout even is that this is they're going for like middle school not high school (laughs) (laughs) oh man also i was thinking the other thing that this kind of reminds me of because you were wondering you know is this are these types of horror films common and by these types i mean you know basically parodies of the genre it also reminds me of the killer tomato series a lot i haven't gotten to attack of the killer tomatoes yet i know your hoff brother (laughs) <laughs> Kyle, he did the first one over there on Foodie Films, but that movie, the original one, is very much like Airplane, I feel, where it's like, you know, that type of spoof. The second one stars George Clooney, and it also, it's very injected with 80s-ness, and it's got like a very party vibe to it. And then the third, and I believe fourth ones, are sort of these very low-budget, straight-to-video that just continue in the comedy tone. And so... They're out there. They're not as common as, you know, horror movies that are funny, but like from time to time you will get like these straight up parodies. Hmm. Interesting. And they're this sounds so condescending and I don't mean it this way, but there are people who enjoy this kind of stuff. Like is it generally people who really like horror films and wanna to laugh too? Yeah, so I think that this is much more of a niche audience within the community. I'm not positive. I can only speak for myself and say that I like it. Like, I think it's pretty smart. The I actually find the Prom Night series to be really interesting because of the tone of the first three movies, how, how different they are and how they're able to sort of take the same premise of a killer prom in some way and make them all feel unique unto themselves. So I think it's kind of a testament to how far you can stretch premise or in this case just an idea of like a prom night where everyone dies or something and if you look at something like friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street when you get to those the tones in those feel rather consistent from movie to movie for the most part i feel you never get these wildly stylized friday the 13th movies they're all pretty much look the same for the most part like they get more supernatural along the way but i don't feel like there's the comedy one you know, that that sticks out amongst them or anything of that nature. What was a series, you you reminded me, and I forgot which one, but it's a high school movie where they're in space, and it's it's a horror film? Oh, that is Jason X. Yeah, so that's, that is a Friday the 13th movie. I love it, but that is along the lines of this. Okay, you know, okay. it basically took Friday the 13th 10 movies 
to start making fun of itself <laughs> or to not take itself too seriously. Oh, man. You know, it's, it's weird because, I mean, this is something we've kind of talked about a little bit back and forth, the whole theories about these things. And it's weird to me because since I'm just not exposed to horror, it's harder for me to see these jumps. But there are so many other genres that I'm totally okay with it in. You know, I went to the movies and I saw a trailer for the new Godzilla film. And I'm totally okay with that, you know? But I could see someone who is not too familiar with Godzilla being like, what the hell is going on? This is so stupid. So, like, <laughs> that, I'm trying to make the the connection through the other genres that I actually do like. And I feel like monster movies can be comparable because there are certain, not that they're my favorite, but there are certain Godzilla films that do feel like they're, not the upcoming one, but do feel like they're more parody. And there are certain Godzilla films that are really taken seriously and intense. So, I, I don't know, like, that's the one one of the genres I was kind of trying to mentally bridge myself with, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect example. Like Godzilla's, you know, been around since the 50s. There's over 30, 40 Godzilla movies, you know, like it's over time. They've changed with the times, basically, like it started out super serious, you know, like Godzilla's the atomic bomb come to life and he's basically, you know, walking across Japan, destroying it, you know, leaving nothing in its wake. And then, you know, 10 years later, he's fighting King Kong. 10 years later, he's a hero. 10 years later, it's back to the more, like, serious business where he's more of a threat again. So that is a very good example of a character and franchise that has sort of managed to go back and forth a lot and be more of an adult tone and then go more into like a children's film sort of feel and then nowadays back into the more serious like if you've seen Shin Godzilla it's a stark political allegory about crisis and how nothing can really get accomplished and sometimes you just have to wait it out it's it's really kind of crazy how far they've been able to take that series but it's not that common because it's hard to find a character or a setting or a premise that is sustainable through a lot of different tones like that a lot of series try it and then they like fail and you know maybe you never see see or hear from them again fair fair side note have you done or did you do or do you plan on doing whatever the third film on the godzilla franchise is yeah so the third film actually is godzilla vs king kong oh, okay yeah, there was Godzilla, the original, and then a year later, Godzilla raids again, where he fights his first monster, which I believe is Anguirus. And then they took sort of a break. They made a bunch of films like Mothra and Rodan, and Toho just sort of went on this tear of kaiju films, and they brought Godzilla back by popular demand, and his first film back in the 60s, he fought King Kong. Uh, so it was sort of like this epic reintroduction of Godzilla in color and everything, too. And then from then on, he was known to fight a monster, like in every movie. So you think you're going to do it? Oh, absolutely. But the idea is that uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong is being filmed right now for a 2021 oh, release date, I, I believe, or something. So I was going to wait. Yeah, I had been thinking about doing it for the release of Godzilla King of the Monsters, but I'm going to wait and, uh, you know, wait and see. Absolutely. But the other thing about, like this movie, there's two cuts of that movie as well, and they're drastically oh. different. They're like completely different movies. There's the original Japanese cut, and then there's the Americanized version, which was not uncommon for the American distributors to film new scenes and insert it into <laughs> the movies. Yeah, and so it's so they, they would star more American actors and have more English language speaking roles. Uh, it's a very interesting history of Godzilla. I know this has nothing to do with the movie, but now I'm curious. 
sorry, the movie we're talking about today, but now I'm curious, is the Godzilla vs. King Kong both are modern franchises, like in their chronology or whatever? Uh, you mean the, the one that they're making now? Yeah. So the idea would be that it's, yeah, it's the Godzilla that we've had from 2014, referred to as the legendary Godzilla because that's the production company or the distributor oh, okay. that puts it out, Legendary Pictures. And then the King Kong from Kong Skull Island uh, a few years ago with Brie Larson and Sam Jackson, if you saw that movie, which I really enjoyed. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a whole sort of monster verse that they've created now with all the uh, in in America with all the King Kong franchise characters. That's interesting. Okay, cool. So no one knows who else is going to show up in Kong vs Godzilla, and rumor has it they might need to actually team up to take on an even bigger threat. But I don't know. Oh, we'll have to wait and see. I wonder what it'll be. Do you feel like getting into this movie a little bit so that we can get done with prom and head down the shore and start partying all weekend? Let's do it. I think I've drank too much punch, you know. We just got to get this prom over with. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I'll start it off. I want to go through a couple moments. We'll go from the start here in the opening because uh, I really love how this starts. It starts basically with the spirit of Mary Lou breaking out of hell. (laughs) I thought that was great. Like, I got it right from there that this is going to be funny. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be funny, but I, I was. I started laughing immediately where, where she's chained to a chorus line of girls in hell and she's filing off her chains and she breaks free. <laughs> this janitor, too, like, is he supposed to be a character from previous films? Because he, he seemed like he knew her. So I didn't recognize him. See, I thought he was going to be the janitor from the first movie who they were, who was like a red herring. Yeah, he definitely wasn't because he was like, yeah, Mary Lou. <laughs> no, he's certainly not. And it was just supposed to be like, um, oh, he's been at that school ever since Mary Lou first died. Like she recognized him. And I guess it was just, it's her first kill back, right? With the jukebox. Yeah. Like she puts the jukebox, the haunted jukebox uh, and he goes up to it, and it, like, shoots force lightning at him. <laughs> so so that's a callback there. We get the force lightning back. Yeah. <laughs> this kill also was cut for the DVD version, okay. so you don't see the janitor's heart explode. <laughs> oh, the things that we're talking about. But in this first scene, yeah, Mary Lou just, like, rematerializes. She's got some Freddy Krueger face action happening with the burns and stuff, which they don't keep up throughout the whole movie but yeah that was a pretty cool opening i mean you know not as good as the kid falling out of the window of the first movie not as good as mary lou herself burning at the prom in the second movie but i like how all three movies open up with like this little kill this you know some kind of little opening kill that's fair but i agree with you 100 percent. the first two prom nights had much better openings both of the prom nights before this i really actually enjoyed the openings you know, for what they were. I thought they set the stage well. This one, I guess you're right, does set the tone well, because we realize it's not going to be, like, that serious. But, you know, it's, it's largely a character that doesn't matter that she kills, you know, and, and it's kind of even confusing why, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, because I watched it twice, I was able to pick up that they did recognize each other. They did go to school together, but I don't feel it's spelled out. One thing I think does really set up the rest of this movie's tone and made me think of you, because I believe we talked about this like uh, last week or the first week, is they're opening up the new gym, right? Like they rebuilt the gym that mysteriously burned down at the prom last time, which was, I guess, Mary Lou's reign of terror from the last movie. And we get the principal talking here. Do you, do you remember what he's uh, what he's going on about? I mean, this was perfect. So he was basically saying, like, sure, like, there's been lots of kids that have died and oh, lots yeah. of, like, tragedies at the school and everything. But, like, that's not going to... And he does this again later in the movie because it keeps happening. But he's like, that doesn't mean, like, we can't go on. And we're going to open up this new gym and we're going to have, like, a great prom here. And who cares that there is all of this horror in the past? Like, we must persevere. Which I saw it as a missed opportunity not to, like, easily connect prom night one in this as well. You know? We had that happen in the disco era. Then we had the Mary Lou incident, but we've moved past that. And throughout the film, you, you hear like the announcements and there's a, there's always like silly things in the announcements somewhat related to what's going on. So yeah, I, I guess it set it up well. And then what, we get like a severed finger or something? Oh, <laughs> that was great. I guess that's what got me on board. After that, like I knew it was going to be dumb. It's probably <laughs> going to be bad, but I was going to enjoy it. Because yeah, the, the principal goes to cut the ribbon on the new gym and he cuts his finger and then like this huge scary wind blows up and like it's you know it's haunted and everything haunting is starting to happen and, st- and i was laughing really hard at that it was very unexpected and throughout this movie i'm going to give this writer like a lot more credit than i think he deserves because i think this is, this is pretty tough to to pull off like not that they pull it all off but i'm shocked that they even get through this it's nuts now do you think that prom night Two's tone was originally supposed to be more like this, and that it was kind of changed because they wanted to connect it to Prom Night 1. I don't know. That's a good question. It's hard to say. The second one actually, I feel, has like scary, terrifying, like crazy moments that make it nuts on a different level. Like this always, to me, is going for the joke first, and I don't feel that in the last movie. Mm. I feel like you could direct part two in a way that it's funnier. This movie's much brighter than that. Like just general, like there's that one scene where they're working out and everyone's like wearing pastels and stuff and like the walls are, you know, it's like freaking Easter. (laughs) So like, I think this movie is going for more sight gags and stuff. Like when he's talking to his guidance counselor and there's just like the cactus right in the middle of the frame. Yeah. (laughs) This has visual jokes and gags that the second movie doesn't. The second movie, you know, I don't think that they're going for laughs as much as this one. No, 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 no. This was... I hope they were going for laughs, you know? I would assume so, right? Like, with with all the shit that goes down, it's clearly a comedy and a parody, so... Yeah, no, I was just curious, because it's weird that you would write a sequel, like, back-to-back and have the tone be so different. Yeah, but then again, I think that's what's so cool about that. Maybe, you know, I think, like, the second one is a genuinely, like, fun, crazy 80s horror movie. It kind of just seems like, you know, you don't want to do the same thing twice. I wouldn't say that the second one is going for laughs in the way this one is. It just seems like he wanted to see if he could do a horror comedy. And that's what this is. And I think it works pretty well. And this is a guy who, you know, when I looked him up, I think he got most of his success not from this franchise, believe it or not, but as a TV director. for He did a Are You Afraid of the Dark, a lot of episodes on that, and also Goosebumps. 
which in my generation were like the TV horror shows. So, uh, yeah, I mean, thought that was kind of a cool note. That makes sense. Yeah, because this is shot, you know, more like a TV show, it feels. Yeah. Uh, I think that has to do with it being like more of a direct-to-video. This movie is just goofy as hell. Like, that is just the bottom line. Like, first and foremost, like, I feel like the, the current, the idea is just comedy, not horror. Now we're going to meet our three leads, Alex, Shane, and Sarah. Uh, And this is when they're, like, working out, like I was telling you. Alex is average Alex, average in every way, you know. He's the average height, average shoe size. Sarah is his girlfriend who doesn't get mad. She cooks. (laughs) And she bakes tons and tons of cookies throughout this movie. And then Shane is his, like too cool philosophizing best friend reminds me of a character that is taken seriously in a lot of high school films brian is there any way you you could sort of speak to how this isn't just like a parody of horror but it's like a high school parody too Oh, absolutely yeah no i was gonna mention that like we see this character so many times like the as you said like the the wise best friend in girl versions and guy versions I don't want to say, like, hippie, because I think hippie has a connotation that's different, but it's just more in, like, enlightened, you know? Like, a little bit above high school. Like, they're there, but they just got all the advice. I mean, it turns out kind of not to be that way in his, like, hell self, but... I think for a lot of the movie, like, he certainly is kind of, like, the voice of reason. Cool in that traditional word for cool, you know? I don't don't know, what what is the old definition for cool? I can't describe it, but you know what I mean. He's even wearing a uh, a yin-yang pin, and he is the yin to Alex's yang. Like, Alex is just super average, and this guy is, like, the interesting, well-read, smart, sort of, you know, uh, already... It doesn't even seem like he goes to class, because he, like, already knows everything. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I've seen this guy in so many movies, and I was surprised when I found out, like, wow, they're not just making fun of horror movies, they're making fun of high school movies, and they're doing it pretty damn well. Yeah, we, we recently covered this film called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which was actually really good, and Earl in that film is that kind of character. Um, that you know, I, It's just fresh on my mind, so that's the one I was thinking of. But th- we see this a ton, you know? <laughs> and then, because another scene that really sort of hit home to me for high school films is when he goes, uh, Alex goes to his guidance counselor. Oh, absolutely. And that's the scene we were talk- we mentioned quickly where there's like a cactus in the middle of the frame and everyone's like trying to look into the camera around the cactus. But yeah, the idea that the, the guidance counselor's like, you're too stupid to be a doctor, the world needs ditch diggers. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is something we've seen, you know, I think of like uh, Orange County or films like that. This is something we've seen so many times too that they're just playing to the nth degree where it's like uh you know i know you have these dreams but you don't have the grades for it you're gonna have to do something like miraculous to do it but the fact that like you said she's saying ditch digger and uh being a cook and no offense to those jobs obviously but you know in the traditional high school sense of the film thing with guidance counselors in these movies everyone's striving to be something like a doctor or a lawyer or something along those lines and you never hear a guidance counselor suggest a ditch digger you know <laughs> and they're supposed to be like encouraging as well and and everything and i feel like this movie really gives it to them because later they're like has anyone killed and they're like uh two guys and and anyone else just a guidance yeah. counselor oh, all right. <laughs> i think too it's one of these films and we do see it a lot in the genre where the adults almost to a person are just like pure comedy characters 
and largely incompetent. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We get that with the science teacher and Alex's parents, too. The science teacher, when we, like, when we get to that part, like, he's just, like, basically cursing out the students, like, calling them, like, imbeciles and, like, doesn't even know, like, why they come to class because they're never going to amount to anything. Like, it's just, it's craziness. And then there's a scene when Alex calls his parents, and, which weird because you meet them later, but their voices are sort of, like, you know, the way Peanuts characters' parents talk or something like that? Yeah. Womp, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mom. No, Mom? Mom, I'm fine. Yeah, listen, Mom. No, Mom, don't get Dad. Mom, no. Mom, don't get... Hi, Dad. No, Dad, no, Dad, really, I'm fine. What? What's that? Oh, the car. Yes, the car is fine. Yeah, I mean, but again, like I said, it's something I've seen in some high school films. Not played to this level. Everything here is like to number 11. Right, right. Or even 12 or 13 <laughs> at times. Oh, that's for sure. Another big thing, I think, that of like high school films, and this only, this doesn't really come back around, but it sort of starts the problems between Alex and Sarah before Mary Lou shows up, is that it's their one year anniversary. And I thought it was a really funny cut where she, where Alex is like, I'm going to take you out to candlelight dinner and they cut and they're sitting in a car with two <laughs> candles like on the dashboard <laughs> yeah that, i mean that was good that, that was pretty funny their whole relationship was very high school you know and that, that's probably the most realistic part of the film how their relationship was yeah i thought that was what was so funny about it was that it was working like i was like this feels good like between them like i get the strife and the struggle and it was almost as if like if mary lou never showed up this could kind of be just like one of those 10 things i hate about you <laughs> type not nearly as good don't get me wrong anybody we're not you know <laughs> i'm not that crazy or anything but i'm just saying like in the sense of the first movie i feel like you could take them like the horror out of this because there isn't really a lot of it but you could take like that supernatural stuff out of it and it's just like this dazed high school kid who's losing his girlfriend who isn't making honor roll who like wants to save up and go on a road trip with his buddy and like can't come to terms with what he really needs to do like prioritize or anything like that and oh no is also prom yeah and another high school trope he's also incredibly horny oh yeah yeah well <laughs> and that goes without saying and this was funny because now we're getting the first encounter between alex and mary lou because it turns out like mary lou didn't need to be like she's not trapped in a tiara this time right she doesn't have like that wardrobe filled with clothes that were never turned over to evidence and locked up in the school <laughs> attic but this time she's like escaped hell and she's just generally haunting the entire high school which I thought was cool. Um, and so Alex goes to the school at night to pick up some books he needs to study for his bio test. And that's where he runs into the ghost of Mary Lou for the first time. And oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> that leads to some interesting hanky-panky, if you will. Some might call certain moments in this film sacrilegious, but I just want to remind people and as a continuation to the entire Prom Night series, this is also a Canadian film. Yes, it is. And I believe what you're referring to is, you call it possibly sacrilegious, I call it patriotic as fuck. 
<laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah, so like Mary Lou just like shows up and Alex is like, who are you? You're attractive. And she just starts making out with him on the American flag. The idea is that they boned all night all over the American flag. And Alex wakes up the next morning in school naked wearing nothing but the flag. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. Look, I don't have a problem with it, to be honest with you. I thought it was hilarious. And and the way that he, like, runs around the high school like he can't get rid of a bomb the way Batman couldn't in 1966. (laughs) He's he's running down the hallways and and students are coming from left and right. (laughs) No, I know. I don't know if they're really... Obviously, this is part of the satire, right? Yes. I don't know if they were just like, we're Canadian... Let's just make sure people remember that this is an American high school. Like, this is a parody of what American high schools are like on film. Like, I don't know how different Canadian high schools are. I don't think that much. But they're kind of playing a patriotic song, too, right? Oh, yeah. It's like... Yeah. (laughs) John Philip Sousa. Yeah, I I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a... This movie doesn't pretend it's something it's not. I'll give it credit for that. It's tasteless in the way with its comedy that horror can be graphic at times. It's weird because, like, there aren't any... I, I don't think I picked up on any, like, gender jokes or anything like that, you know? And I was, like, for the time, expecting tons of them. Mm, that's true. And that kind of sense. So, like, I give it a lot of credit for not going for the easy joke and, like, at least trying to stay on course with, like, all right, we're only going to make fun of these things about horror movies and these things about high school movies. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Now, and anyone who's offended by it, like, okay, I could see if you're offended by this entire film, but anyone, <laughs> anyone who's offended by it, you can't then not be offended by someone getting their heart ripped out and stuff. Like, if you're a gore fan and you're offended by the American flag thing, then what, like, that's, like, shut up. Right. Well, that's what I was saying about is like they're trying to offend in a comedic sense in the way that you might with horror. Right. And be like, oh, that is like gratuitous and tasteless and over the over the line for some people. But some people just laugh harder at that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I give them more credit than someone else ever probably has for this movie because I'm just I'm rolling with it. I'm having fun. Like no one except I guess you with me, but no one forces anyone to watch a film like this. I think especially (laughs) if it's straight to video, you probably know what you're getting into. If you hadn't turned it off by then, (laughs) then we get the, the scene in the science class where he's supposed to be taking that test and we get the the science teacher who loves his snacks and stuff. I thought that was cool. Like, you always get, like, an eccentric teacher in a high school film. Like, at least one of them. Uh, Here we're going to get exactly one of them. And he loves his sweets. (laughs) You know, I'd be shocked if we didn't have any. So it was just more par for the course here. A crazy course, but par for the course. Alex is taking his test and imagines Mary Lou in the room giving him a handy. (laughs) There's no qualms about it, no. This is where she's, like, trying to, like possess him and stuff like it's weird you know if she wasn't supernatural it would just be like say the new girl in school showed up and really wanted to date alex but alex has a girlfriend and so they have to be like discreet about all this stuff you know like it's playing for me in that sense yeah she's doing everything to like 
turn Alex's life around and win him over. Because, like you mentioned, the test. Also, like, there's the football game that she helps Alex win. Yeah, she becomes sort of like this supernatural presence that helps him excel at school, at sports. There's almost a very sort of Teen Wolf kind of thing about it. I don't know, you haven't gotten to Teen Wolf yet. It's not a horror film, but it does star Michael J. Fox as a werewolf. And and the concept is like he sucks at everything, and then he becomes a werewolf, and he's great at everything. Like he's, <laughs> he's great at school, he's great at basketball. And we're sort of getting a little touch of that here. As soon as Mary Lou sort of like has her claw in him he gets really good at football you know his papers write themselves yeah he he goes from like you know the guidance counselor suggesting he dig ditches to being on the honor roll oh my god that was hilarious how how much of a big deal getting on the honor roll was for for everybody (laughs) in this movie and i like how it it takes place like in a you know a matter of what how how long would you say this movie takes place like what kind of period probably like a week a week right like yeah how how can you go from failing (laughs) to like on a roll with there was one test in there um i know she like hacks the computer hashtag hackers (laughs) it's very very silly oh yeah and i think after this we get a pretty a pretty serious kill right yes we do correct me if i'm wrong but it's it's a is it a guidance counselor or someone who who discovers that like it's being hacked or whatever well, for, so first we get the science teacher. Like, the science oh, yes, teacher's right. grading papers, and then Alex's paper starts, like, writing itself right in front of his eyes, and, and he looks in the back of the room, and Mary Lou has, like, set up a haunted ice cream bar. Oh, yes. Yes. Her very sharp ice cream cones. And he goes over there, and she stabs him, like, stigmata-style through the hands with two cones. And we don't see it, but she's about to drill through his face... With like a blender, I think? Is that what she's Yeah, called? the thing for shakes. But it's like yes. more intense. You get in the extended cut or the unrated, you get it coming out of the back of his skull a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and um, he doesn't freak out nearly as much as I thought he should for like the first kill he witnesses. He's freaked out, but he's not like, you know, she quickly convinces him to dispose of the body. I'll put it that way. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So Alex, <laughs> it's hilarious. So Mary Lou basically turns Alex into her errand boy, where it's like, she's going to kill people and he's going to bury the bodies. And in the first scene, he's like connecting the dots. He's like, wait a minute here. So you were real. We did have sex. You're kind of a ghost. You're going <laughs> to keep killing and I'll bury the bodies, but you're going to keep having sex with me, right? And she's like, that's the plan, lover boy. And he's like, all right. I'm on board. God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that kill. Well, I shouldn't have forgotten about it, but it just kind of came back to me. I was thinking about the second kill of... Well, it's the third kill for her, but the second, I think, he witnesses with... I I guess it's the guidance counselor? Yes. Yeah, and and it's like battery acid. That was a gruesome one. Yeah, so... The guidance counselor goes, like, rushing to meet Alex and, like, you know, get up back on his good side. And Mary Lou, like, sidetracks her, like, grabs her in the hallway and puts, like, a helmet filled with battery acid on her head and just, like, melts her head off. Oh, man. It was, like, I understand, like, you get at the killer, but it was out of nowhere. Like, where do you get the battery acid? Like, what? And it was back to back with this other kill, so it was... There was something really crazy in between that we have to talk about when he's burying the body of the science teacher and there's like the montage to the song the last kiss that first night when i met you 
It's like he's digging the ditch and they're cutting between that and Mary Lou giving like a sexy strip tease. And then they're also cutting between that and the two of them like having sex, I uh, guess, in the school. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it made me literally think like she's doing all this stuff for him to help him out with his grades. And I don't think she has to because it really seems like the main reason he's burying the bodies and not like telling people what's going on is for sex yeah why is she going that extra mile that's a good question like why is she helping him pass classes and get on the football team the only explanation is that she really likes him and like wants to help him (laughs) i think that's what happens like later on we kind of find out that she is a little representative of an obsessed significant other right like she is a little obsessive over him wants to very much control him yeah which makes me question some of her moves later but we'll, we'll get to them for sure <laughs> we also get introduced to that jock who hates alex who's on the football team oh yeah and at one point they're trying to decide what the prom theme's gonna be and i think they go with prom aid eventually <laughs> but he's like all right enough of this prom bullshit like we really need to talk about how all these geeks and nerds are getting onto the football team <laughs> And you're not, like, paraphrasing. He, like, literally almost says that. It's like, I think it's bullshit that they let everyone on the team. Yeah, that's that's his main gripe. So, And he's especially pissed because, obviously, Alex, who sucked, is now a star because of somehow Mary Lou's powers. Right. I love that guy. I thought they did a really good job with the jock kid i don't even i never even caught his name i just called him jocko the whole movie. <laughs> but i thought they just nailed that sensibility with the the rival or whatever or something and except in this movie like it's not alex's rival like alex has no beef with this dude <laughs> and so it's so one-sided i got a kick out of that too yeah no that's a really good point i didn't even think about that <laughs> I think shortly after the killing is when he gets the motorcycle because he's gotten good grades from his parents. And this is sort of akin to, obviously, Prom Night 2, where that lead started becoming more 50s. And I mentioned it on my show, it reminds me of Christine as well. (laughs) It's just like a horror trope. I get it, because Mary Lou's of that time. They didn't sell it enough for me in this film, though. You know, like he wasn't a complete greaser. He just like got a motorcycle and a leather jacket and it looked good for the aesthetic, if that makes sense. Yeah, because he dumps Mary Lou kind of soon after. Like he doesn't have enough time to be in greaser mode. Like I feel like he should have gotten it a little sooner, maybe. You know, if he had gotten that into the leather jacket earlier, then he could have started talking more like someone from those times. He tries to like tell his sister to scram and beat it and stuff, but you're right, it never really comes through that he's sort of reverting back to those days. Um, But I did like, it's very much like the second movie, except instead of the girl becoming Mary Lou, it's sort of like the guy becoming more like Mary Lou. Yeah. I just thought his dad was a really interesting character in this movie. He he just like walks in on his dad cleaning the gun and his dad gives him just like terrible advice about women and things. And Alex like kind of completely ignores him. (laughs) He's like, all right, whatever, dad. (laughs) (laughs) yeah interesting parents for sure especially the dad and again i get it like this is part of the movie but how stupid are these parents to think that this is all changing in a week (laughs) 
they're just oblivious to their son's like actual feelings and what's going on. They're just happy whenever something good is occurring. Which, I mean, now that we're like talking about it out loud, I guess is not too crazy to think of for parents, right? Sometimes parents only see what they want to see. They see good grades, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. He probably put in the effort because, you know, he's their son. And I love this next scene is because Alex gets caught trying to bury the guidance counselor, yeah. I think, by the jock guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where he eats it. He gets it good. Oof. How did you feel about Mary Lou coming out and tossing him the football, and then the football in midair turns into like a drill? <laughs> He catches it and it drills through him and pegs him onto the goalpost. Like, it's that is super creative, but whoa. Execution, I'm not so sure. However, (laughs) bonus points for trying. He's a football player, so he's got to die with his passion. It, It was rather silly. Like, again, I get it. Especially this one isn't more important death than the other ones in terms of he saw something bad going on. I don't want to say they have to kill him because, no, they should stop. But theoretically, if they're going to continue the plan, he has to kind of die. And no one likes him anyway, so whatever. Like, that's the thing, like, in the first, or, or I almost called the second movie the first movie. But in the last one, Mary Lou had, like, motive to kill certain people, right? Like, this is the son of the guy who killed me. I'm going to do this to get back at him by killing his son and and his friends, and I'm going to do that by possessing his girlfriend. You know, like, there was sort of a kind of crazy logic to what what she was doing and why she was killing people. Here, she kills the only person she knows in the opening scene, and now she's just haunting the high school. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is her motive here? Like, why is she killing certain people? And this is the only one that makes any sense. It's like, but if they weren't burying a body, they wouldn't (laughs) have had to kill him in the first place, so because she clearly can help without killing right like mm-hmm. she helps on the football game or whatever a scrimmage or something i don't know she helps him out without killing anyone she helps him with the grades without killing anyone you know i i don't understand sometimes why she has to kill <laughs> no i don't either and that's what kind of bothers me is because i think she starts to start explaining something she's like uh, alex goes like mary lou in the flesh and she's like well kind of sort of almost not really and then i'm like okay are we gonna get some speech where it's like i need to collect you know 12 souls to become whole you know whatever like i need to do this in order to become a real person again or something but but i feel like we ever get that (laughs) explanation and i'm not saying it was a well fleshed out character but mary lou in the previous films was kind of known to be and their version of it promiscuous right Yes. And here she's so incredibly loyal to Alex, and that's definitely like a character change. Yeah, agreed. I mean, she becomes the obsessive crazy girl, you know, she's what the you know, she's going to be the crazy ex-girlfriend in the next scene because of the football murder. Alex is like, and this is my favorite scene of the movie probably. Alex is like, "You know what, Mary Lou? Like, forget this. It's not worth it. Like, I don't want to, you know, keep burying the dead bodies that you're going to kill. Forget it." He's like, "It's not worth it." And she's like, "Well, what if I keep having sex with you?" He's like, "Nope, not even that." He dumps her, and the rest of the movie she becomes like this stalker is determined to get him back at all costs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
like I said, it just it really does not make sense with the Mary Lou that we learned about. That's why again I'm confused that this, these were supposedly written back to back. I mean, there could be more continuity between them, but you never know if they're going to make the second one. Sometimes I feel like when this happens, it's not necessarily that they're making sequels. It's almost that they have like two versions of a story and they just end up writing both of them and say, oh, it could be a sequel to this one. You know, like, because I could see this guy being like, all right, I have this idea for this Mary Lou character who comes back. Here's movie A and here's movie B. Yeah, you don't know what direction you want to go if you want to be like more straight horror or more of like a comedy horror kind of thing. So I wrote them both. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Who knows? (laughs) We're actually almost at the end here. After he dumps Mary Lou, like, how did you feel about the sex ed film Social Disease? (laughs) They don't do them so well, but I tend to like um, sex ed film scenes in these high school movies because if you think about it how like how awkward is it first of all to like you i mean it's very important that kids learn these kind of things but it's also probably still they haven't mastered it you know and i think that was that's like a parody on that even the teacher is like now class settle down we're all mature here we could talk about this in an educational fashion sex education is really 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 important and i still don't think it's taught well it's still like i, I can't imagine an adult feeling 100 percent comfortable talking to kids about it and then the detectives show up finally they were pretty funny i thought they were good i thought that leonard character we get introduced to him he wants to take sarah to the prom now that sarah and alex have pretty much broken up he wasn't nerdy enough for me you know in a film that takes things to like as we said 11 12 13 he was like a pretty good looking guy you know think to like prom night one that like van nerd oh yes the best (laughs) probably the best part of any of them yeah (laughs) like i would have liked to seen in a movie that's like raising the level of absurdity so much believe it or not i would rather see a character like that be the nerd than than a guy who just he was he was a nerdy quote-unquote but he was pretty good looking like the insults they were like go look at a computer you know like it was like he wasn't that nerdy No, he had a very Clark Kent thing going on. Like, when he took his glasses off, he looked, like, super handsome and everything. I was like, whoa, what? But his thing is his personality is, like, everything is mapped out to the minute, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's super annoying. Like, he is just too punctual about everything. Yeah. That doesn't help. No. (laughs) That nerds him up a little bit. Yeah, and and I get it. But, hey, this is all happening in a week. You just broke up with your boyfriend. This good-looking guy, he's got one thing wrong with him, essentially. Ask you the prom. Why not, you know? Yeah. There's this great scene. This reminds me of a lot of high school movies where the main character is telling his best friend like his secret but alex tells shane like the whole deal with mary lou like what's been going on yeah yeah and it's like dead serious it's like played super duper serious that there's no joke and there's no denying that shane believes him like wholeheartedly yeah i you know and then he pays for it essentially in a mortal Kombat style way yeah because now that he knows about mary lou it's uh which, dude, Alex, you should feel guilty. You essentially killed your friend. Yeah, he gets his heart ripped out. Yes, very literally. But here's what's weird. Mary Lou, like, possesses Alex's sister in that scene. And she's the one that rips his heart out. And then she's, like, never seen from again. <laughs> it was very shocking. I forgot about that because it was so random. Okay, if she had to possess people from kill one to kill other people, then it makes total sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say she physically can't touch people. There you go. And she has to go in other people's bodies to kill people. 
I'm sure there's been hundreds of horror films like that. But that makes more sense. Like, I didn't get why, you know, it was the sister. Like, why didn't she just do it herself? Yeah, she knows the truth. Like, you can just appear in front of him now. I thought that she was going to be possessing Alex and stuff because they, like, kiss and she disappears into his mouth at one moment in, like, a spark of purple light. And I'm like, okay, she possessed him now. And it's like, nope, not really. (laughs) But Alex has definitely had enough after seeing Shane dead. And this is when the rap music kicks in. Oh, my God. Out of nowhere, too. She's going to freak you, freak you, drive you crazy. She knows you're loaded. She wants your babies. LTD, should I love them? Leave them or please them? <laughs> Just skeeze them. Thanks. I knew you'd agree. This freak has got a vicious body. But still, I think I'll chill. Ride dope rhymes while I count my bills. I'll just max me. They can't tax me or give them a digits so they could fax me a photo with a two-page description. If I'm impressed, I give them permission to come to my crib, stand in the lines. The ones that I check are the ones with the broad mind. In this era, never make an error, or she'll capitalize on that error. I don't think they had rap music the entire film. No. And it's like about the movie. It's like a horror rap and stuff. Like, from what I could pick up, it's like telling the story of what we're watching. Yeah, I tried to write it down, and I, I can't find it in my notes. Like, I tried to look it up, who it was or who it could be. And, like, the lyrics, they were very much seemed like it was about the movie. It reminded me of, in the Amos and Andrew movie, A Cage Club, at the end of that movie, there is a song called Suburban Nightmare, and it is a rap song about the movie we just watched. <laughs> The police chief is running for commissioner But if I get out of this chief, I'm getting ya Chief needs a cover-up plan Cause he heard I'm famous Call a crazy white boy, name was Amos I thought Amos was a burglar But when he saw me, he said I never heard of ya He couldn't tell north from south But Amos was my only way out of this suburban nightmare (laughs) This very much reminded me of that That's awesome. Alex ends up getting arrested because Shane's parents think that he killed him. Like, the SWAT team goes to his house, and Alex accidentally shoots at them, so they, like, open fire on him and, like, arrest him. I mean, this is where it's starting to get very dark if you're related to, like, current day kind of stuff. Because now, like, for the rest of the movie, like, Alex is going to be running around with a gun. There's news footage of him, like being arrested and and all that kind of thing, calling him, like, responsible for the murders and stuff. And then, you know, later he's even going to wave a gun around at the prom. It's not untrue. I know he didn't directly kill some of those people, but he certainly hid the bodies. So he's not, like, completely innocent. So for me, it was hard for me to be like, oh, my God, I'm worried about this guy. I feel bad for him because I didn't. Oh, I never did. I feel like he was set up to be not a jerk, but definitely like, you know, not a hero by any means. Like I was never really on his side to begin with, you know, and I think that was part of the fun about it is that like here's this unlikable lead and he's just going to kind of get less and less likable throughout <laughs> the movie. Like he's such a pushover and everything. Like, yeah, I never really got behind him, but I thought that was kind of part of the fun for me. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. And then Brian, again, we get the prince with his finger sewed back on and he's like despite all of this murder prom is still happening (laughs) a running theme in the prom night series but finally addressed like they never said it in the last movie or the one before you know maybe we should cancel prom but someone's like don't you think you should cancel prom he's like hell no we need this the kids need this I guess so, Principal. I guess so. You'd think he'd be traumatized. Really? This guy is 
super happy for having cut his finger off and being the principal of this like horror high school but he must be on some strong antidepressants yeah i guess so this next scene was hilarious because we're back at sarah and her mom is ordering her to go to prom oh my god hilarious you have to go like it's she literally says like it's an order (laughs) and and sarah's like my boyfriend's been arrested there's like all these people are dead my friends are dead she's like i ordered you to go to prom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, and then she, you know, she ends up going with the quote-unquote nerd. Also, Alex is in prison, right? He does escape. He doesn't want to, but Mary Lou shows up and shoots Force Lightning from her eyes to kill one of the cops and give him the keys. Again, if she could do this the whole time, it's interesting that I guess she likes a creative death as much as we do. You know, she likes using ice cream cones and stuff, but she always has Force Lightning to back her up. So I don't know if you read this. I'm sure in the trivia or notes or whatever but like we finally see brock simpson who's supposed to be in all the prom night movies and he's the cop who alex ends up like handcuffing and stuff yeah he uh gets him to drive him to prom right he he holds him up and kidnaps him and that was a good cameo for him yeah it's a good cameo and i don't think people would have known at the time it's more like you have to be a real prom night nerd at the time to know that this guy is in all of them i think it's really funny when like he's handcuffing him and he's so like he's like ouch (laughs) you know like (laughs) he's like alex it's too tight yeah (laughs) yeah i thought that was pretty pretty funny and honestly one of the funnier moments in this entire film that is really trying to make every moment as funny as possible (laughs) (laughs) we don't have much left we don't have much left really no no we're at prom aid are you ready to do the bumping grind (laughs) our third prom uh so we had disco what was really the second one's music theme new wave right pretty much that's how it seemed this one's like hair metal (laughs) yeah which is weird with the now hip-hop-infused soundtrack. Really? It's all over the map. We got 50s music, we got hip-hop music, and now we got this hair metal, do the bump and grind song. Leonard really can cut up a rug, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a dance machine that eventually gets killed by a really old machine that we don't even get to see the death of in either cut. Oh, okay. Remember, like, Leonard is, like, talking with Sarah in the hall, and he, like, wanders into a room to look at, like, this old reel-to-reel computer. And yeah. Mary Lou is there, and then the door just, like, shuts on them. So we don't get to see Leonard get killed. Why does he need to die? He doesn't. Wouldn't keeping him in the picture be better for your situation, Mary Lou? Probably, but she needs minions in hell, which we'll learn soon, right? She sort of, I guess, is collecting these kills to use later, but she doesn't necessarily know that Sarah's going to follow her into hell. Quite literally. Maybe she's just sort of like building her ranks as backup. She's like the Night King. Right? Okay, fair. She's like, I'm just going to turn everybody into a zombie person. But she could have just forced lightning the entire prom. Uh, no, whatever. Again, I, I, can't try to, <laughs> I can't try to 
solve this mystery. What I really love, though, and I wonder if this was a callback, is that Mary Lou appears to Sarah finally. She comes out of a locker, and it it's like the reverse locker squish from the last movie, where Mary Lou like crushes the friend in between the lockers. I thought that as well, yeah. So I thought that was cool. And Mary Lou like totally reveals herself at the prom. She like bursts through the stage and starts glowing and is like I think she's like, I'm gonna kill everybody and then Alex is like, No, 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 just take me. I'm what you want and she's like, Fine, Alex and grabs him and goes back into the into the floor and Sarah jumps into the portal after them. Wow. <laughs> and then they're quite literally, as you said, in hell. Yeah, they're back in the upside down version of the high school and it's all held out and Sarah runs into like all of the guys that have been killed, basically, like all of her friends. I didn't see the science teacher and I didn't see the guidance counselor. Did you like how Sarah became our hero? Yes, I loved it. I actually like that twist because, like I said, I don't really like Alex at all. So Yeah, and I wish it had happened a little earlier. Like, maybe she had gotten on to... Maybe she had caught on to Alex and not said anything to him. It sort of followed him around and was, like, snooping. And, yeah, I wish that she had sort of intervened earlier. I agree. Because they, they, she was kind of just like Susie Homemaker for most of the film. Just like, I don't get angry, I cook. You know, we hear it a little later. Because she gets really, really, really intense in hell. Really? It's pretty awesome. Because it makes me think like, oh, this is who she was the whole time. Why didn't she really, like, exhibit all of this? And I understand, like, you know, it's a comedy. And part of that is, like, it's not her. And it's not really her movie either. And they do a bit with her where, you know, she doesn't take a lot of Alex's shit, like, she does break up with him throughout, you know, the course yeah. of the first half of the movie. She goes to the prom with someone else. Like, she is trying to, like, actually move on and all that kind of thing. But I didn't think she was, like, a badass. She just seemed like a level-headed person who I was rooting for. She literally turns into Ripley with the blowtorch <laughs> and, and everything. And it's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so she fights off the three high school kids. And then... Who's the friend is named what? Shane? Shane. Yeah, yeah, and the friend is like, at this point, seems obsessive with Alex. Like, it seems like the trip was more than just a trip that he wanted to take with him. I don't know. I don't want to go as far as to say it's like romantic, but he seems like, maybe the hell version of him seems really like, like, let him get rid of the girlfriend so that I can have all the time in the world with Alex. Maybe that's going on in the background. Maybe there is some of that that I'm not picking up on between Alex and Shane. Who knows? Who knows? Interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, like you said, she acquires her flamethrower. We have fire in all three films. Like, serious fire scenes in all three films. That's like an ongoing motif here. This is a legit flamethrower. <laughs> and we get the haunted jukebox returns, shooting record blades. Yeah, they're like records, but they look like like, saw, like circular saw blades. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool touch, that like the jukebox is like actually sort of like alive. When she roasts it, it like squeals a little bit, I think, or something. <laughs> yeah. Now, Brian... We've been to prom three times now on Earth. Did you ever expect that you would get to hell prom? No, I did not. I should have, but no, I did not. This was interesting. Because <laughs> we are literally at the prom in hell 
for this climax, and I fucking love this. I thought this was just, like, such a cool... Like, this last half hour... The last half hour of, like, all three of the movies really are kind of insane. It's, like, when it really just, like, all hell breaks loose. These last two movies, man, the last act, like, of these last two movies are just, like, insanity. I love them. I love it so much. Zombie Prom was very interesting. I guess it's not Zombie Prom. It's just, like you said, Hell Prom. But they, they're kind of... Hell Prom is, like, crazy, right? Because, like, the way they're dancing is so, like, zombie-like, and it's so... Like you said, I did not expect this. The colors, too. The colors in Hell are very interesting. Oh, there was a cool shot where they go through the doors, and it sort of looks like 3D glasses. Like, one window is red, one window is blue. I don't know. I thought that was really cool, too. I thought the lighting was really interesting. I mean, I love the whole look. It reminded me, like, of when Vicky, in the last movie, would sort of cross over into, like, the spirit world. You know, they sort of connected that look a little bit. It was like everything is just rotted. It's the prom, but they're rotted. And, of course, we get, you know, what is thought to be the demise of Mary Lou coming up. Oh, yeah, where uh, Sarah shoves the... the blowtorch like down her dress and she explodes and i wrote i guess if you explode in hell you're like double dead like if you die in the afterlife like you're really not coming back well it sort of seems that way (laughs) i thought it was interesting because like the blowtorch doesn't work which i thought was kind of a mistake by the film because they show the the wire getting cut like a couple minutes before that Hmm. i kind of would have preferred like if we think she's gonna blow her up and then we see it cut a little bit sooner you know i guess they were just trying to raise the stakes like oh no she might die here i'm not thinking about the stakes in this kind of film you know (laughs) nope (laughs) and the blowtorch doesn't work so she takes what was that was it like the propane i don't think it works that way it's almost it almost turned into like a looney tune stick of dynamite yeah that's what i thought too it's just (laughs) supposed to be some kind of macgyver crafted explosion that she put together in hell at the last minute yeah but it's effective and she explodes and then this is great so like sarah and alex like have to escape hell and they're being chased by all like the zombies and stuff and they go and into um auto shop and there's a car in there now i know it's not the same make and model but it looks a hell of a lot like christine (laughs) and i also thought when i was in high school i had a friend we called his car the hellmobile and this is literally the hellmobile like it's a car it's a car in hell yeah it looks like christine i feel like they're referencing that wouldn't shock me you know they have all the right elements right it's supposed to sort of be the 50s in that realm uh so there's like all these 50s artifacts lying around so you know you throw that car in there demon car of some kind i don't know yeah <laughs> i think they hotwire it too yeah they hotwire the hellmobile which I, I was i was getting confused because i recently saw endgame i'm not gonna give spoilers but at one point they have to hotwire a van and that so i'm like i'm seeing a lot of hotwiring things this weekend i'm surprised they still use that nowadays with like the way i mean our cars still designed so you could so you can hotwire them well, I, I, no, I probably not, honestly, probably not, because why would they have like it work like that, you know? Everything's so computerized, but I think the van in the Avengers film is an older van. So. Oh, Ant-Man's van. Yeah, Ant-Man's van. This was an awesome ending. They're about to get out of hell, and Mary Lou shows up again. They did not explode her like they thought they did, so they decide they're just going to run her over. And as they run her over, they're like magically transported out of hell onto like a country road, and everything seems cool. Like they pull into a little uh, drive through 
sort of uh, eatery, it looks like, you know, like they pull into a parking lot and, all right, we, we did it. We escaped. Happy ending. And I really thought it was going to just end like that, honestly. And and how stupid of me. <laughs> Dude, it, I should have known better too, but I was so tricked by this ending. Like, double tricked, not only, because first Sarah dies, Mary Lou is in the backseat and just fisted her through the chest from the backseat and just put her arm right through her entire body. And I was like, no, because Sarah's the best. She did not deserve that. Totally didn't deserve that. Came into her own by the end of this movie, the real hero, and then bam. (laughs) Yeah, and then the other thing is, like, they were, like, I mean, help me out. Like, he went back to the 50s, and now he's a ghost? Is that what's going on? Yes! Is that what's going on is the question. Okay. So he gets out of the car, and he's, like, running around for help, and it it turns out that, like, this parking lot is, uh, you know, it's, like, one of those old sort of, like, Dining drive-ins like um like Sonic Burger, right? Like you you know where you pull up and you eat in your car, and it's like the 1950s. Uh, but like he's going up to these kids for help, and no one can like acknowledge him. No one can hear him or see him or anything. So he's like trapped between worlds? Question mark. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I guess. But I love it. It's probably a better fate than honestly being on Earth and being tried for murder and maybe, you know, getting getting the chair or, like, having to be in solitary confinement, right? Like, so as shitty as it is, it's probably a better fate. So he's in, like, this hell. It's not even his own personal hell. It's, like, one that Mary Lou is like, concocted for him. Like, you would imagine that she's the only person that can see him here. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. And he even says it, you win, right? Yeah, like, that's you how win, it ends. Mary you Lou, win. you fucking win. <laughs> like, Do you think they're still having sex? Oh, well, I'll tell you this much. Like, the evil spirit of Mary Lou will still have sex with Alex, but I don't know if Alex is still going to want to have sex with the <laughs> evil spirit of Mary Lou. Yeah, look, you're somewhere for eternity. You kind of got to let something slip under the rug for companionship. Yeah, if you think of it this way. There's no one left for her to kill, so there's no more bodies to bury. <laughs> Fair. That's true. But man, like, that was just crazy. That's such a what-the-fuck ending. It is. And I did not see it coming. And it fits the tone of the whole movie, which is just like, why? Big, big old question mark. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, this is just some of that great direct-to-video 90s horror comedy. So, like I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, watch this in a double feature with Leprechaun 3. Have that kind of night. I don't know what else to really say. I mean, we've survived prom. I think it's finally time that, uh, you know, we've danced our last dance. We've (laughs) had our last cup of punch. We've got to hit the parkway and get down the shore so we could party all weekend. Sounds good to me. Party and talk about at least the first three prom nights. Yeah, so there's still two more to go. I'm good for now. (laughs) But there is a prom night four, and then there was a prom night remake a few years ago so if your show keeps going for two three more years you could do some more proms i plan on it i I do plan on it i like you i'm ready for a prom night break i really am but next year it'll be prom season again and we'll have to do the dance one more time and then i guess i guess another time when if we do the reboot (laughs) you know unfortunately there's only one third film in the prom night series so probably the end of the road for your prom nights on your show it's been one hell of a dance, I'll say that much. Like, this has just been so unexpected. Like, I, I knew kind of what I was getting into 
I mean, I had seen the first two before, right? So like I knew and I had remembered the first one the best. So I knew what was going to be going on with that. The second one was a great sort of rewatch was an, I forgot, you know, most of this movie and I forgot how much I really love that movie. This was just like so baffling. <laughs> this third one is so nuts. It's so strange. But like, again, I feel like it is it's one of the it's one of the few places you could really go when you're a not very well-known horror franchise and you've already exhausted most of your material like you really there's all the all that they could really do was make a comedy this time around and they went for it and yeah they really went for it that they did i certainly in this entire series have seen so many things that i never thought i would see on film that's for sure that's gonna do it for prom night three the last kiss uncut Brian, before we part, I just want to say thanks for uh, being on the last couple episodes. You know, we just did that crazy three-part WrestleMania episode with uh, Larson and Dan. That was a lot of fun. And then I got to be on two of your prom night episodes in a row. And now you're on this prom night. Like, I feel like you have, uh, you're sort of like my unofficial co-host this year <laughs> or something. And it's been a lot of fun. So thank you very much for your very valuable time and your great opinions and your enthusiasm for, for showing up. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast on Third Time's a Charm. Hope to also, you know, return at some point. And Mike, this is not the end of the road for us even in the next couple of weeks, because coming up, you're going to be on my episode that I've been waiting, waiting, waiting for, and I didn't mean to do a pun right there, but can't hardly wait, and I'm really, really excited to talk about that film. Yeah, I think that was the, that might have been the first film I signed up for, and it's the one I'm most excited to talk about, because that is, that movie came out the year after I graduated, but you got to figure it was filming the year that I graduated so that so much depicts my graduating class for high school like I get like goosebumps thinking about it sometimes so I can't wait to uh, talk about it with you guys over on high school slumber party yeah, and you guys you know that I'm not sure what week in June but that's coming out in June because that is a graduation movie oh and again I can't wait and I keeps doing that and I know that's a bad pun, but I really mean it. I can't wait to talk about that film. So do you want to quickly just clue in my audience on what else is going on in your podcast life right now? Oh, yeah, we've been doing uh, those fun rewatches. And then on the 15th, we announced which film we're going to watch. And on the 1st, we, we rewatch a film and we do commentary with Kyle Reinfried, who's been on this show, the foodie films man himself. We did Almost Famous in May, and that was super cool. And in June, which, what, this comes out June 3rd, you'll know because it'll be out. It's either going to be Twister or Mission Impossible 3 because we really wanted to do a blockbuster. So either of those films, I'm sure it's going to be a great episode because Kyle and I enjoy both those films. And we're going to have a blast rewatching them. And, uh, you know, as mentioned, High School Slumber Party, that's the show I host on my lonesome. Though, Mike, you've been there a lot recently. You'll be there a lot recently. I mean, in the coming weeks. You know, we have a blast just talking about high school and talking about high school films. And I like uh, what you mentioned about Can't Hardly Wait, how it was a film that really, really should connect with your actual high school experience because of when it came out and such. And that's what I like to do. I, I like films that people are like, this 
is a high school film. Yes, I love it, but it reminds me of my time in high school because of this. And that's what I love about High School Slumber Party, and, and I love hosting it. And like I said, I hope I do continue, I think I will, next year and the year after so we can talk about Prom Night again on my show. Oh, one last thing uh, for your listeners. Please, please follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I love the follows and I love the feedback. So Thanks so much. Your homework. That's right. You got your homework assignment. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for coming by, and I can't wait to uh, talk to you again soon. of Third Time's a Charm. Gotta thank my prom date, Brian Rodriguez, for coming out tonight, especially after we already went to prom twice before. Be sure to check out the last two episodes of High School Slumber Party to get the full prom experience when I joined Brian to talk about the first two installments of this prom night franchise. Then, check out all the back episodes of High School Slumber Party, not just the ones that I'm on, as well as all the back episodes of Third Time's a Charm, not just the ones that Brian's on, over on cageclub.me, where you can find over 20 unique podcasts to fill your ear. Write to me at T-H-R-E-E at cageclub.me. That's three at cageclub.me. Rate, review, and subscribe to this show on iTunes and wherever podcasts live. Check out the network Patreon and Threadless Shop, and follow the network at Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's about it for prom, so if you'll excuse me, I've got three tuxedos to return and three limousines to return. Catch you next time. Three, that's the magic number. Yes, three. it is. It's the magic number. Three. Three may still be me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?